Welcome back to Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, Wednesdays at RelicRadio.com. We're going to start off this week with Philip Marlowe and hear The Dark Tunnel, his story from August 18, 1950. That'll be followed by The Adventures of Sam Spade and the Bluebeard Caper. That episode originally aired August 8, 1948. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road. Those who travel it wind up in the gut of the prison of the grave. There's no other end. They never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now, with Gerald Moore starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's exciting story, The Dark Tunnel. Hicks one month, Marlowe. 30 days. Where am I? I don't know. Where are you? Out in the cold. And with enough unpaid bills, Marlowe, <laughs> to choke an elephant. Fur coat, hat, shoes, dresses, the works. Furthermore, she tells me it's only the beginning, sweetie pie. Yeah, well, that's tough, Louie. Uh, I'll see you, huh? Hey, hold I, uh, How about another scotch, Marlowe? Oh, no. Uh, it's only I'll... 10 o'clock. One for the road on me, huh? Now, listen. Uh, I... Hey, Mike, uh, Johnny Walker, twice. Okay. Uh, unless, of course, I'm bending your ear too much, Bill. Oh, how could you say a thing like that? Look, Louie, I've had a long day. I want to go home. Fair enough. I'm glad I bumped into you. Hey, I'll see. Uh, you, you drive west, don't you? Uh, yeah. Would you mind dropping me off, huh? Uh, no, Louie, it'll be a pleasure. Well, uh, skip the drinks, Mike. Make up your mind, will well, you? Well, uh, like I was saying, Phil, first it's her mother moving in on us, then it's both of them drinking my special stuff like it was water, then these clothes I already mentioned. So I ask myself, what'll it be next, Louie? What do I get for an answer? All right, Louie, what do you get? Divorce, my only out. And you get my point, huh, Marlo? Yeah, I get you. My car's around here in the alley, Louie. Check. Well, now, divorce is something a guy wants to think about. A uh, thinking guy, that is. Hey, and you know, Marlo... Hey, wait a minute, I... wait a minute. That's a cute little exhibition, huh? Huh? Scrap nothing. It's a few things. inches short of murder and closing fast. You better break it up, Louie. Hey! Hey, Heavy! Yeah? Kind of a hot night for this, isn't it? What do you want, Sonny? I'd like to hold your coat. Seems to be cramping your style. He's in one piece. Why, you lousy long nose! Don't worry, I am! <clears throat> How do we go on, Muscles? All right, mister. Right now, he's all yours, if you can bring him to. So long, hero. Hey, Marlo, this kid's pleaded all right. Yeah, come on, give me a hand, Louie. We'll get him out of here. No. Okay, fella. Come on. Up we go. Up on your feet. <clears throat> oh, thanks, mister. All right, do you live near here? A couple of blocks away. The DeWitt Arms Hotel on Western near okay. Sunset. Ooh. Ooh. Right, take it easy, take it easy. Put your arm over my shoulder. We'll get you there. Thanks. Come on, Louie. Over to my car, huh? Yeah, sure, Marlo. Uh, but maybe I better skip the lift, huh? huh? I mean, my problem, the, the discussion we were having, uh, we better postpone it for a while, huh? That, that is yeah, I know what you mean, Louie. Yeah, it'll keep. All right, kid, come on. Let's go. <laughs> The Witt Arms on Weston was one of those cheap stucco and neon sign little hotels where the lobby floor is threadbare carpet and cigarette butts. The furniture is chained in place, and there are always the usual number of John Smiths on the register. By the time we were there and in the dingy, cramped room, number 111, it was no bigger than a cell. I knew that the boy with the swollen face who leaned heavy on my shoulder was 25. Answered to Ira Clausen, and he knew that I was a private detective without a job on my hands. Then I began to learn a little more. That slick guy in the alley, Mr. Marlowe, his name's Link, Austin Link. He runs the New Blossom Dance Land on North Hoover. Well, uh, what is he to do with his Julia Thayer? Well, I'm not sure. It was the last place she worked just before she dropped out of sight a month ago. I don't think I'll need this towel anymore. I feel pretty... Ooh, ooh. Well, take it easy, take it easy. You better stay on your back, kid. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, Mr. Marley, I, I went to the New Blossom Dance Land tonight to see if I could pick up any kind of a lead on Julia. Where she went or why, anything at all. Uh-huh, and you found out what? In Austin Link's office, in a desk drawer, this newspaper clipping. Mm -hmm. It's a month old, like Julia's disappearance. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to me. It was stapled to this picture of Julia. Here. Mm. Guess it was used in an ad for the dance hall or something. Hey, she's a pretty girl, isn't she? 
That clipping, what's it all about? Well, I'll read it to you. You mind closing the window first, Mr. Marlowe? I think I'd rather have it hot in here. Yeah, I know I would. Every jerk thinks he's Valley. All right, go ahead, kid. Well, the headline is Faye Patilio killed in car wreck, and then mystery surrounds death of famed gangland woman. Faye Patilio. Hollywood's glamorous first lady of crime in the racket. Yeah. Says she was killed late last night when her car plunged from Lookout Mountain Road at a hairpin turn. Mm. However, the police are puzzled by the fact that although the 40-year-old redhead was in her own car, she was not found at the wheel but in the back seat where, according to the condition of the wreck, she could not have been thrown. Furthermore... Furthermore, no sign of any driver dead, injured, or otherwise was or has been found. I know all about that one. Now, look, is that all you have to go on? Well, not quite, Mr. Marlowe. There's one thing more. All right. Just before Link caught me in his office and I ran and hid as far as the alley where you found me. Yeah. I overheard him talking to someone on the phone about Julia. I have no idea who it was, but Link was very respectful. And he was given a private telephone number. A number he was to remember, not write down. You know what it was? Yeah. Washington 7017. Uh, 7017. That's it, Mr. Marlowe. That's not quite, Ira. That's only half of it. What do you mean? You and Julia, why you want to find her, what she means to you, why you haven't gone to the police. Well? I'd rather not say, Mr. Marlowe, if you don't mind. Okay, suit yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck, kid. When you're on your feet again, play it a little neater, huh? <laughs> You'll stay on your feet a lot longer that way. Mr. Marlowe, wait. Hmm? Please. I, uh, I want you to work for me. I'll tell you everything. That's better. May help, kid. Anyway, it can't hurt. No. Not any more than it has already. Began back home, Mr. Marlowe, a couple of years the story Ira Clausen told me I'd heard before. So had anybody who'd spent more than a weekend in Hollywood. Only the names were different. Julia Thayer had loved Ira, Ira loved Julia all this in Cedarville, Oregon. Then the snapper. Someone says Julia's not only beautiful, but has talent. She's wasting her time in Cedarville. Julia believes this, packs her bags, scrambles for movie land, where she falls flat on her face, which isn't quite as gorgeous in Hollywood as it was in Cedarville. And it's no dough, lots of pride. You gotta eat to live, so you get a job. That was where the new Blossom Dance Land came in. And when the letters quit coming on the home front, Ira started to worry. He knew that Julia needed help. and followed one lead after another. Got as far as the alley where I collected you. Okay, kid, I think I've heard enough. Then you'll help me? Yeah, yeah, I'll try. Call you later. So, your problem is a phone number, huh, Marlo? Washington, uh, what was it? A 7017. Hey, Callahan, that's a handy book. Newspapers need yeah. handy books, Marlo. Yeah. People clam up too much these days. I blame the movies myself. Ah. Uh -huh. Hey, no such animal. It could be a new number, or didn't I mention that? You didn't? All right. We'll try the supplement. Mm. Get one from the phone company every month, like a bill. <laughs> Let's see. Wallace, Washington... Five thousand, six, seven, seven thousand. Yep, here it is. Seven oh one seven. Address one six two two Ramona Boulevard, which would be East LA and Industrial. Listing Southern Cities Where Warehouse. Ring a bell? A cannon. Southern Cities Warehouse is just one of the interest of LA's answer to whatever became of the big bootleggers. I mean Joe Staff, a very smooth, very nasty man. Yeah, this I've heard. Now tell me, Callahan, does he also happen to own the new Blossom Dance Land over on North Hoover? He does? Uh, now you tell me, Phil. Is a story I could use here? Oh, no, no, no. No story. Uh-huh. You know, Marlowe, it's just like I said. People, People clam, clam up. up too much <laughs> <laughs> yes, all right. Good night, Callahan. The good gray reporter hadn't mentioned Staff's prohibition background, I would have chalked the warehouse off as the kind of nine-to-five place that couldn't possibly help. But on the hunch that Staff might live in a lush penthouse atop a stockpile, a la Chicago 1929 style, I pointed my car for East L.A. and the Southern City's warehouse. Twenty minutes later, when I was there and saw a step-down Hudson outside and soft light oozing over the edges of the roof, I didn't regret my move. Not at least until I'd found a flat metal door and had pushed the button attached there, too. Then I began to wonder because Aladdin himself couldn't have gotten a quicker response. 
Nor could his genie have been any more of a mountain than the item I drew. Out of a nearby shadow, not the door. Okay, Charlie, lay it out nice and neat. Who are you and what do you want? Joe Staff. Name's Marlowe, occupation private detective, now you. To handle pork, I work for Staff. And... Hey, now wait a minute, what's <laughs> it to you who I am? Shamus is close enough to cop the stink. And I'll beat it before I start thumping on your boy, Wanda, and turn you into something vest pocket size. Steady, Pork. Seems to be the trouble. Who are you, mister? His name's Marlowe, Mr. Stapp. He's a private... He'll answer for himself, Pork. Go ahead, Marlowe. What do you want with me? What's it about? Faye Patilio. Faye Patilio? Shut up, Pork. Faye Patilio is dead, Marlowe. So is conversation about her. Anything else? Yeah, something else. Girl who used to work over at the New Blossom Dance Line, Julia Thayer. Know where she is? Why she disappeared? No. And I don't care. Why should I? Because you used to go places with her. <laughs> I've gone with a hundred girls, Marlowe. Ah. Julia was no different, except for one thing. She gave me the brush. Well, good night, Marlowe. Sorry I couldn't have been more help. I won't be long, uh, One talk. more thing, Joe. You mind telling me who Julia dropped you for? Not at all. A pretty boy, Dean Cody. Julia thought he was better looking than a mink coat. Now, where can I find him? Can you throw that in? Surely. Forest Grove Cemetery, Marlowe. Oh? He was burned to death in an accident at some cottage, poor boy. Well, good night, Marlowe. Pork here will walk with you as far as your car. That's real friendly. Let's go, Charlie, and no funny business. Oh, I wouldn't think of it, Pork. You got height, weight, reach, and uh, artillery on me. Yeah, and I'll gladly use them all. That your buggy there? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, it's been a nice stroll, Porky. Charming. Just so it stays that way, Charlie, remember to keep away from here, huh? Here, the dance land and the Silver Lake spot. The Silver Lake, huh? <laughs> yeah, Porky, I'll remember. Every word of it. <laughs> Callahan, go ahead. Marlow again, Callahan. Now listen on Joe Stapp. Does the Silver Lake spot mean anything to you? It does. Yeah? It's on the north end of Silver Lake Road, Marlow, overlooks the reservoir. Stapp built it as a nightclub, mountain lark style, about, oh, ten years ago. Uh-huh. When it didn't go, he converted it into a private home. Or I should say, a cozy place to take the cuties for that one drink. I know what you mean. Good night, Callahan. <laughs> Silver Lake Reservoir was only a mile off Lower Sunset Boulevard, but the setting could have been a street in Switzerland. The lodge Callahan told me about stood out among the neat little chalets that skirted the water's edge like a Sherman tank in Toyland. Also, it was showing light from a screened-in porch. So when I was out of my car across a shaky, rustic bridge that spanned the promise of a creek and moving up close, I didn't have any trouble spotting the girl I saw inside talking earnestly into a telephone as Julia Thayer by build, size, and color of hair. About the face, I couldn't no. say. No, it wore a hat that sported enough veil and mosquito-proof oh. twin beds. Oh, well, that's dripping. The tunnel. All right, I'll wait there. Yes, Jim Foster. Goodbye. Hello, Julia. Oh. Who are you? What do you want? Quite a bit, honey. But for a starter, let's say that I'm a private detective named Marlowe, working for a guy who's worried sick about you. Ira Clawson. Ira... Clawson? Who's that? Yeah, well, I'm not sure, but maybe he's the world's greatest sucker. (laughs) Now, let's level, baby. It's getting late for guessing games, huh? I'll pay it. Oh, what's the use? What do you want to know, Mr. Marlowe? Too much to chat about here. The owner's no friend of mine. Come on, we'll take my car. All right. What do you say? I'm tired of running. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Uh, Will you take my arm, please? This down bridge scares me silly. Oh, sure. Just watch your heels on those loose planks, huh? You okay? Uh-huh. I think I'm going to be just fine, Mr. Marlowe. It was all the lead she needed because by the time I'd crawled out of the inch-deep, inch-wide river and was back up on the road, Julia Thayer was in her car away fast as far as Sunset Boulevard. So I went to the phone back in the lodge and got through to my client at the Arms Hotel and brought him up to date in a hurry, including the latest question mark. The tunnel? Of course I've heard of it, Mr. Marlowe. Matter of fact, I've been there. Why? Well, it's where Julia's heading right now. Now, what's the location of it, Ira? Ira! I'm still here, Mr. Marlowe. Yeah. You sound real different. I don't get it. What's up? Very personal business, Mr. Marlowe. You see, 
I'm Ira Cody, not Clawson. Dean Cody's... Brother, Mr. Marlowe. Brother who's out to get the girl responsible for his burning to death. Julia Thayer, the cheap scum. So Marlowe played Patsy. Oregon, the boy, girl, pitch. You made it all up. Every bit of it. Mr. Marlowe, before I needed your help. Now I don't anymore. Get lost. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first, there will be four more amateur songwriters on hand, and one of them will sell his song for nationwide plugging and distribution when Songs for Sale comes along tonight on most of these same CBS stations. Songs for Sale gives these new songwriters a great chance. Their songs are judged by a panel of experts. Their music is sung by Rosemary Clooney and Richard Hayes. They're made to feel at home under the guidance of the experienced showman Jan Murray. For an hour of fascinating fun behind the scenes of Tin Pan Alley, hear Songs for Sale tonight and every Friday on CBS. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe in tonight's story, The Dark Tunnel. I stood there for a minute after Ira Cody hung up and tried to figure my next move. While the phone in my hand quietly buzzed, sucker. A pair of haywire lives was scheduled for a smash-up, and I let myself get mixed up right in the middle. Now my only chance to do something about it was to find out fast what was meant by the tunnel. I started out of the place, but only got as far as the front door. You going somewhere, cutie? That rod makes you six feet taller, doesn't it, Porky? Huh? I don't like you, Charlie. You played a dirty trick on me. Trick? What are you talking about? When I slipped and mentioned Silver Lake, it made Mr. Stapp mad at me, and I don't want Mr. Stapp mad at me. That I can understand. Now, look, you feel like talking this out? No. Oh, listen, you dumb ape. It's for your own good. Something's going to happen tonight that'll make your boss a lot madder than he is now. I'm the Shut only up. one who... You're just trying to trick me again, but no. it won't work. Not this time. First, we lift your gun. <clears throat> now, get going. Take your car. Walkie, you're going to hate yourself for this in the morning when Stapp finds out? I doubt it. You see, Charlie, it's his idea. Now get going. Over there, Marlowe, the big door. I don't suppose Stapp would bother to tell you why he wanted to see me, would he, Porky? Huh? No. That's none of my business. Yet. What do you mean by yet? Oh, he might want you to tell him something you might not want to. Then it's my business, Charlie. Go on, go on, open it up. That's enough inside. Well, well, well. Real genuine warehouse, huh? Chains, tackle, even a hand truck. Well oiled, too. Don't tell me your boss is going legit. Never mind that junk. Just stand right there. It'll light you this crazy door lock. Here, Pork, try something heavier. Like this truck. Oh, oh, my leg, why you... Now it's your chin. Good night, Charlie. I fished my own gun out of Pork's pocket, tossed his forty-five off in a dark corner, and rolled the Hulk himself out of sight behind his pack of crates. Then I went over to an elevator in the corner. On the way into the warehouse, the light I'd seen earlier from the roof was still there, so I decided to try the penthouse. I walked quietly down a thick carpeted hall to the only door. When I knocked, with a barrel of my thirty-eight. Well, hello, Marlowe. I've been waiting for you. A, a gun? Hey, how come... Fork? Fork! David, Joe. Oh, that dumb cluck. Yeah, big wheel like Joe Stapp ought to afford better help. Now, I'm holding the gun, so I'll ask the questions. What and where is the tunnel? A tunnel is a hole, Marlowe, usually in the ground. Deliver, Joe. It's got a lot to do with your girlfriend, Julia. Julia? Oh, that's a hot one. I went to all this trouble to haul you in here for the same reason. Then I'll put down the gun and let's talk. It makes me nervous. I'm not interested in your nerves. I'm interested in your talk. All right. Now, you've got a long nose, Marlowe, and poking it around, you might find out enough to get real curious and call in the cops. That I can't afford. Uh-huh. So I'm going to level with you, tell you what you want to know, just so you'll lay off. Got a deal? I'll let you know. All right. You wanted to know about Julia. Yeah. Nothing like Julia Thayer ever happened in my life before. Most beautiful thing I ever saw. Sweet and soft. She made me ashamed of myself. Somehow I don't hear violins. Marlowe, I'd have done anything Julia asked me to. And all she ever asked of me was to give her up. The Dean Cody? Yeah, Dean Cody. Young physique. It wasn't all wasteland like this. A handsome face that ever boiled lobster like mine is. 
She was crazy about him, fascinated, and I didn't blame her. Until I found out he had the morals of a rattlesnake. Keep talking. Cody was rotten, Marlowe. Dirty, clear through. Cheating on Julia every time she turned around. I couldn't stand it. I tried to tell her. Well, he made her hate you, huh? Look, Stab, so far this is no better than a serial and torrid romance. The point, the point. I'm getting to it, Bob. One night I thought I could convince her because Cody had a date with Faye Petillo. I don't have to tell you, she was the lowest thing in town. They were going to a spot up on Lookout Mountain, so I told Julia she went up there and waited. They showed, all right. Both loaded. She saw him take that dive off that hairpin turn. When she got down to him, they were both dead. Wait a minute. You told me Dean Cody was burned in a cottage. Sure. That's what I'm still telling you. Julia was so far gone over that louse, she pulled his body out of that wreck, hauled it all the way down to that cottage at Malibu, and then set fire to the place. So the world would never know he's going with a tramp like Faye Petillo, huh? Yes. How would you like to have that kind of loyalty on your side, Paul? Huh? Hmm. Anyway, after Cody was gone... Cody's young brother's in town, Step. He thinks Julia's responsible for Dean's death and he's going to kill her. What? They're scheduled I... to meet at that tunnel I asked you about. Now, where is it? Step, I asked I you. I heard what? you. Tunnel's an old abandoned underpass in back of the new blossom. But we're not going there, Marlow. We're going to sit tight and let it play as is. Are you nuts? Not anymore. Julia was out of her head that night. Something went wrong when she started that fire. She got caught in it herself, Marlow. You mean she was burned? Yes. Yeah. Her face. It's bad. She'll never be right again, no matter how much plastic surgery. Yeah, but there's no reason to let her be murdered. That's a matter of definition. You see, Julia's still in love with the memory of Dean Cody, Marlowe, so we'll just forget it and let it play itself out. We'll forget nothing. I got the guns, Tap. But you're going to drop it, aren't you? Otherwise, I'll have to drop you. Oh, fine. Now remember you, Austin Link, knuckles in an alley. Drop it. That's right, Nosy. What's the word, Joe? Get him out of here, Link. Get him out of my sight. I don't care where you go. Come on, Slick. Let's go. Just sit on him for a few hours. We'll talk it over then. Link was a professional. He stayed exactly far enough behind me to be always out of reach, but always close enough to keep me under control. All the way down in the elevator, I watched for a chance that never turned up. And as I rounded a corner and headed for the big door again, I glanced at the stack of crates. Pork had come too. He was on his feet behind them, a heavy steel pulley block in one hand, his face a stupid mask of blind hate. He slammed the block at me with everything he had. I'll kill you! I dropped to the floor and heard the thing connect behind me. It had caught Link dead center. He fell like a bag of sand. Before Pork realized what had happened, I charged the stack of crates through my shoulder against him. Made it to the door and out in one dash. My car was sitting where I'd left it. I heaved a sigh of relief and piled in. Ten minutes later, I pulled up at the New Blossom Dance Land. It was just closing. I ran along the side of the building to the back where a yellow light above the rear door cast an out-of-place halo over... Oh, no. Hey, you! What are you doing back here? This is for employees only. Yeah, well, I'm employed. Listen, do you know where the tunnel is? The which? I can see what you mean. The tunnel, the tunnel. It's an old underpass. There's an entrance to it back here someplace. Oh, that, sure. See the light over there? Yeah. In that little cement house? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Steps lead down inside. But why? Nobody ever uses that anymore. Well, I tell you, I got a date in there with a couple of screwballs. Oh, well, you'll be right at home. Good night, dearie. A baker's dozen steps led down into the thick darkness littered with newspapers, weeds, and wine bottles, all long dead. As I eased down inside, I heard voices, low and tense, amplified by the rolling hollow echo in the tunnel. At least I'd made it in time. When I got to the bottom, I could see the two of them silhouetted against the dim glow at the far end. I pressed my back against the wall, thought about my empty shoulder holster, and moved toward them. And you killed them, didn't you? You're making a mistake, Harold. A terrible mistake. No, 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 you killed them, all right. You and that beautiful face of yours that he couldn't resist. Why are you hiding it behind a veil? You used to be so proud of it. You killed Dean just the same as if you'd shot him. But you're not getting away with it, Julia. I'm going to square it up for him right now. Ira! Marlo, how did you find this place? I found plenty beside that, Ira. Give me that gun. No, no, you're not going to stop me. Even if you shoot, I'll kill her first. I don't have a gun, Ira, but I got facts. Before you shoot anybody, you better listen. Julia wasn't responsible for Dean's death. He was. Everything she's done since then has been to protect what little good there was left of his crummy reputation. You're a liar. I can prove it. 
Scene went bad, Ira, all bad. It was a low, double-crossing cheat. You're lying, you're lying! Mighty died he was two-timing Julia. But in spite of that, she risked everything to move his body from a smashed-up car. But nobody would ever find out what really happened to him. It's too hard! Now that's stylish! You liars, both of you! I won't let you say things like that about my brother. You don't care if he's dead, Julia. You'll do, right? You've got the kind of beauty all the men go for. And you, Marlowe... Shut up, you crazy punk. Stay back. Admit you're a liar, Marlowe. Admit it or I'll kill you. I swear I'll kill you along with Julia. You'll be doing me a favor. You haven't seen my face lately, have you, Iron? I never want to see it. I think you're better, kid. Got a match, Marlowe? Sure. Here. Look, Ira. You. You can't be Julia. I was burned, Ira. It happened to me when I tried to hide the kind of... Kind of, of rotten of... trash that Dean had been mixed up with. The only reason she did it was because she loved him, maybe more than you did. Now, come on, kid, let's have that gun. You don't want to kill anybody. No. I don't want to kill anybody. Julia, I'm sorry. Ira! Let him go, Julia. The hard part's over now. He'll be all right. I'll look in on him after a while just to be sure. But, uh, what about you, huh? What about me? I'll be okay, Marlo. After I've done some thinking. This shock, I... I, I think it's what I needed. Goodbye. The dark tunnel, honey. Think you can find your way out alone? Yeah. Yeah, I'll find a way out alone. One of these days. She was gone. And I went back and climbed the stairs. Out of the tunnel and into the night again. As I drove slowly home, I thought of Julia. Alone in a dark, blind tunnel with no end to it. And then I thought of all the dark, blind tunnels that men stumble into. Tunnels of blind love and blind hate. Of blind submission that lets empty suits of armor conquer cities and men's minds. Tunnels of blind worry and blind greed, of blind ambition, of blind... But then I stopped because I was getting no place. Except into a blind alley. Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, are produced and directed by Richard Sanville and written for radio by Robert Mitchell and Gene Levitt. Featured in the cast were Lorene Tuttle, Bob Sweeney, Paul Dubov, David Ellis, Barney Phillips, and Larry Dobkin. The special music is composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Be sure and be with us again next week when Philip Marlowe says... This time, greed in a green suede dress, a diehard from Dixie and a cuckoo coin collector, added up to violent death for two, and all over a half a buck in Confederate money. Every Friday night, CBS brings you stories taken from the files of parole boards of the 48 states. With only the names changed, these stories give in complete detail the events of a criminal's life up to the time he is up for parole. Then, before you hear the board's decision, you can make up your mind. Is this man ready to be set free? It's been hailed by press and public alike as an outstanding anti-crime show. And you can hear it now by staying tuned because Up for Parole follows immediately on most of these same CBS stations. Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where you play Sing It Again every Saturday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. The 
Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. Same what, sweetheart? Oh, Sam! How did it go? Well, it uh, wasn't exactly a ten-in-one outfit. Uh, more of a mud show, dog and pony type, you know, rag front. Sam, what are you talking about? Hmm? And by the way, where were you last night? I uh, missed the last bus in from the cow palace, so I had to do a star pitch. Connie talk at me. Oh, if you think I'm going to ask what a star pitch is, you're mistaken. What were you doing at the cow palace? Oh, just bulling around. Oh. Sam? Yes? Um, Sam? Yes? Sam, you uh, ask too many questions. Sweetheart, in the patois of the carnival, I'll be right down to pitch my spiel, spiel my pitch, and make with the canvas and the bluebeard caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama... Join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Say, Mom, if the summer winds are making Junior's hair drier and mussier than it should be, why not borrow a little of Dad's Wild Root Cream Oil and restore that sweet, angelic look? You'll find Wild Root Cream Oil hair tonic comes in handy for every member of the family. It grooms the hair so neatly and naturally, relieves that summer dryness... And removes loose dandruff, too. Better check on your supply right now. If it's running low, then tonight or tomorrow, first thing, get Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Ready, Effie? Yes, Sam. By the way, what is a star pitch? Hmm? Oh, your clothes. You look as if you'd slept on the ground. That's what it is. Uh, date, August 8, 1948. To Detective Lieutenant Dundee, homicide detail, San Francisco Police. From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the uh, Bluebeard Caper. I uh, will not offer as an extenuating circumstance the fact that business is bad all over. But it is true that I'd been sitting in my office for four hours and the phone had not rung once. This one didn't phone. From the looks of him, he didn't have the required nickel. But the hangover he was wearing under his eyes had cost someone a pretty penny, so I figured his credit might be good somewhere. Mr. Spade. Yeah? Oh, my head. Here, try this. Oh. Want it mixed? Oh, no, no, no soda. I couldn't stand the noise. Where'd you wake up? In these same clothes. Figures. Uh, it, it all started at my sister's engagement party. Uh, mint juleps. Mm. They must have been full of flukum. Flukum? Uh, you don't happen to have an ice bag. It's customary for my clients to bring their own. Oh. Well, now here's a spiel. Uh, did I tell you my name? The name you gave my secretary was Ned Towers. You want to stick with that? Uh, yeah, Ned. Uh, Ned Towers, yeah. Uh, it, it's about my sister. She's... Um, her name? Uh, Sylvia. Sylvia Towers. Uh, Sylvia Towers. Uh, but it's not about her, really. It, it's about that bluebird. I, I mean, bluebird she's marrying. Jefferson Davis Calhoun. What about him? Oh, that, that marriage has got to be stopped. I found out that his name's not Calhoun at all, th- that he's been married three times under three different names, and that all his wives died mysteriously, and, and that he collected their insurance, and now he's talked my sister into insuring herself for 100000 bucks in his favor. When did you learn all this? In a barbershop yesterday. Oh. I, I went in to get a manicure, and I picked up this old detective magazine. Here's his picture. Oh, look at it. I had heard of the case. In his heyday, the papers had called him the Mint Julep Romeo. And any name he happened to be using at the time had Colonel in front of it. None of his three wives had survived the honeymoon. Wife number one, an aviatrix, bailed out at 10,000 feet over Mount Hood along with her husband. His parachute opened, hers didn't. They found the body the following spring. Wife number two, a snake dancer, died of snake bite when she squared off with a full-fanged diamondback instead of her usual non-poisonous partner. 
cause of death was never officially proven because the body was embalmed by mistake, it said there, before the coroner arrived. And finally, number three, a professional stunt woman disappeared over Niagara Falls in a beer keg instead of her specially designed barrel and was never seen again. Well, Mr. Spain? Yeah, but are you uh, sure your sister's fiancé, this uh, Calhoun, is the same guy? Well, here's a picture of them together. Their engagement photograph. What do you think? Hmm. Brunette? My sister? Redhead. Uh, that's him on the left. Redhead? Well, uh, Mr. Towers, are we going to sit idly by and see another poor girl go to her death? How much money you got? About $100. I'll take 50 now. You are going to help her. How much does she already know? I tried to tell her. She's beautiful. She wouldn't even listen. I thought she might listen to you. I pray she will, Ned. I pray she will. There were two aspects of the case that I wanted to look over more closely. A, Sylvia's red hair, and B, the red splotches on my client's face. I had a hunch she might be suffering from more than a hangover. So I dropped him at the address of a medical friend of mine who specializes in poisons. He said the tests would take most of the afternoon, so I decided to find out who was Sylvia, what was she, was she as kind as she was fair. Such a face as Yes? Yes? I beg your pardon? Miss Towers? Yes, I'm Sylvia Towers. Are you the florist? You're expecting maybe a detective? Come in. Thanks, I will. Well, as a matter of fact, I wasn't expecting a florist or anyone else. But I'm glad to see you. I really am. Huh? Sit down here. I was just relaxing. Oh, no, over here. Oh. Well, why not? Yeah. Isn't this more cozy? Hmm. Take your hat off. Oh. You'll have me believing you really are a detective. What do I look like? Well, I'll have to mull it over. Now, don't tell me. Let me dream. Look, Sylvia, uh, Miss, uh... Powers, I mean. Oh, Sylvia, I like the way you dress. Nice and casual. Oh, you do? But, you know, you really should wear a handkerchief. Hey, hey. <laughs> you ticklish. Well, look, if you want to frisk me, get it over with. It's your apartment. you got a right to. Well, isn't this way nice? Sure, it's fine. It's just that, uh, well, you know, I just didn't expect. I uh, just didn't expect. Well, what do you want, a butterfly act? No, it's just that my feelings are hurt. You haven't asked me who I am or what I'm doing here. Anything. Oh, I don't care. I like you. Is this how you got engaged to Calhoun? No, he was selling some phony stock certificates, so I bought a few. They were phony, so you bought a few. Figured. He'd had bad luck with marriage. It was the only way I could force the issue. You're forcing him into marrying you? Darling, don't be so critical. I did it very nicely. I'm sure you did, but why? Oh, I don't know. He's so, so courtly. A real southern gentleman. How real? Uh, hand me that cushion, darling. Oh. Oh, no, here, behind my head. Oh. Oh, that's better. Oh, don't go away. Why do you want to be number four on the Bluebeard Parade? Oh, do you really think he did kill them? Oh, that's one of two theories. He's a dead or he didn't. Oh, I love your hair. <clears throat> so nice, bristly. Does this bother you? Yeah, but don't stop. Uh, now, uh, wait a minute. Look, I've uh, I got my client to think about, and I'm I'm trying to think about it. Darling. I didn't want to take this assignment, but he really seemed to be worried about you. Oh, now, who on earth would be worried about me? I'm a little worried about you myself, and I'm not even distantly related to you. Well, don't say that yet. This marriage may not last long. Don't you say that. Oh, I know his marital life has been full of tragedy. But I'm not superstitious. I think I may change his luck. Okay, Sylvia, okay, it's your life. I told your brother I'd talk to you, and I have. My brother? Yeah, Ned. I think maybe your boyfriend tried to poison him last night. Oh, no. I... Uh -huh. Oh, Jeff, you're just in time. Well, my dear, we will discuss this further in private. I have only this to say at the present time. In the South, it is not customary for a lady to receive a gentleman alone just prior to her marriage to another gentleman. But, Jeff... I know your motives were pure and innocent. Customs differ, that's all. I am Colonel Calhoun at your service, sir. 
I'll uh, call you when I need you. I'm afraid I must ask you to remain. Sylvia? Oh, Jeff, I meant to tell you. It was just a flirtation. Yeah, I didn't all. think it was. You mean well, she didn't think. he made certain proposals? Well, what well, did I do? What could she do? He said there were things in your past, Jeff. Yeah, that's what I said. Things that... Oh, there, there, my dear. It was blackmail. That's all it was. I did it for you, Jeff. Go to your chambers, you. Sylvia. I will deal with this adventurer. If this were the South, there would be better ways. But never fear. Where there's a Calhoun there, too, you will find Southern chivalry. Please. No, Jeff. Phone the police. Sylvia, I must insist that you do as I say. Very well, Jeff. You know best. Yeah. Well, sir, how about you and me putting our heads together over little old Mint Julep, huh? Thanks, <laughs> I'm not thirsty. Uh, what's the pitch, Colonel? How come your girlfriend yelled, hey, Rubes, this night? What is your asking price, sir? What's her a bid? Uh, $5,000 now, 5000 after she's buried, 20000 after the insurance people pays off. No dice. Paper's worth a hundred grand. Fifty for me, fifty for you. That is out of the question, sir. Okay, from here I go to the cottage. Uh, then now, son, let's not be hasty about this. It will require a slight change of plan, but uh, I reckon I can swing it. All right, fifty-fifty. When are you going to knock her off? Shh. You want her to fly the coop? Is there another way out of here? Well, not that I know of, but uh, she's crafty. She's crafty. Well, come on, let's get it over. Yes, you're right. Maybe now or never. That's right. Here we go. Hey, wait a minute. Well, Come here. What is it? How are you going to do it? Well, hit her with this and then out the window. Let me see, then. See? That's got quite a heft to it. Where'd you get this sap? Souvenir of Niagara Falls. Know where you're going to get it? Why, you Yankees! The souvenir of Niagara Falls was deadlier than I thought. The blow spun him around like a top, and he went down on the other side of the room, taking the bar and the mint julep ingredients along with him. I headed for the room Sylvia had disappeared into. But she had already disappeared out of it. I looked in the closets, the bathroom, under the bed, tapped the walls for secret panels, and then forced myself to look out the only possible exit, the open window. Ten stories sheer drop to the street. Two stories sheer unclimbable masonry to the roof. I get this, Dundee. No other exit, no horizontal ledges, drain pipes, niches, cornices, not even a helicopter landing. I asked myself, who is Sylvia? What is she? The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. And no wonder. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now, back to the Bluebeard Caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. There was no use wasting any time trying to figure out how Sylvia had done whatever she had done to escape from that escape-proof room. There was nothing of interest in it but a diving helmet, deep-sea type, and the current issue of Billboard, a magazine which records the movements of show people. Under uh, carnivals and tent shows, an item was circled. Colonel Carlisle's (laughs) Colossal Carnival and Tent Show, which was currently playing San Francisco out by the Cow Palace. That reminded me of the colonel in the next room. I went in to hit him again, but somehow his not being there didn't surprise me a bit. What I found on the roof did surprise me a little. It was a rope and grappling hook, human fly type, which fitted with the circusy aspect the caper was beginning to take on. 
since I've never taken Sylvia for a stunt woman. I, uh, took a knee, uh, cheap knee bend to get in condition for what lay ahead, slid down the banister to the top floor, somersaulted into an elevator, and rode it down to the lobby, no hand. Pausing only to acknowledge the applause of the scrub woman, I skated on over to the phone booth. Sylvia's hand lost Dr. Mandel's office. Bernie, Sam Spade. Oh, say, I'm glad you called, Sam. That uh, patient you brought in here, uh, Ned Coward? Yeah, what about him? Well, your hunch was right. There was enough poison in him to kill him twice. Uh-huh. And that ain't all. He dead? No. Then what's all? Well, his stomach had enough foreign objects in it to keep all the newspapers in town in Monday morning feature stories for the rest of the year. What type foreign object? Oh, uh, glassware, spoons, hunting knives. Well, nothing valuable. Where'd you send him? Oh, he, he wasn't a hospital case, Sam. Enough poison to kill him twice, glassware, spoons, hunting knives, and not a hospital case, huh? The poison, he's uh, developed an immunity. The other stuff, uh, it's harmless. Harmless. Do you want me to send you the complete report? Uh, no, no, forget it, Bernie. You've given me enough. Thanks. From then on, Dundee, it was uh, mostly entertainment. I uh, headed to the carnival grounds outside the town, and uh, Colonel Carlyle's Carlossal Carnival and tent show unfolded before my very eyes, just west of the Cow Palace. In the interests of artistic endeavor, Mademoiselle Mahala, the favorite dancing girl of the Sultan of Zanzibar, brought direct from the perfume gardens of the Mystic Orient. Every muscle of a gorgeous body shakes. And now, now, ladies and gentlemen, in the interest of science and the furtherance of national defense, one of the medical miracles of the 20th century. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a man with the iron stomach and the asbestos esophagus, Professor Dilator. Professor, if you please, sir, give the folks a sense of your control over the fiery elements. I will light the torch. And, and the two, the professor. And now, professor, if you will find The coach dancer left me cold, but the uh, fire-eating professor was hot. It was none other than my client, the man who called himself Ned Powers. I moved as close to the platform as I could without setting fire to myself and caught his eye. When he caught mine, it singed my eyelashes. Hey, scramble, I got my act to do. I can't talk to nobody. Where's the colonel? Hey, there ain't any colonel, just for the banner tack. Where's your sister? I ain't got no sister. Then who is Sylvia? Hey, do me a favor, Shamus. Keep the 50 and forget the whole pitch. Now be it, huh? Oh, I want to see the show. Okay, you paid for your duck. Stare your eyes out if you want to. Okay, but just start squawking. They're drifting away. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that was only a sample. Only a sample. Why, he eats the stone and throws the beach away. And he uses powdered poison on his soft-boiled eggs. Now tell me, if you will, is there a doctor in the powder? I uh, drifted on down the midway. There was Boona uh, Boona, Nature Boy, Gilda and Hilda, the Siamese twins. There was Shorty, the fat man, and Fatty, the short man, a bearded lady and several natural freaks of nature. At the very end, there was a big canvas enclosure. The act was called the Three Death-Defying Darling. From the noise inside, I judged that to be an understatement. <laughs> I bought a ticket and got inside just in time to see a trim, energetic blonde in tailored coveralls crawl out of the twisted wreckage of the car. She'd just driven point blank into a concrete wall at an advertised speed of 80 miles an hour. She took a bow, tripped lightly out of the ring, and a brunette about the same size and shape, but wearing a costume consisting mainly of three live rattlesnakes, passed her coming in. I swear she did. I also swear that she danced so well I didn't even notice the snakes after I got used to them. Before the lead snake had taken its final bow and wriggled out of sight, a redhead in green coveralls appeared at the top of a 60-foot tower. She climbed into a barrel and some stupid fool pushed her off. The tank she landed in was no more than three feet across and couldn't have had more than a foot of water in it. But she emerged from the splinters with her face wet and some of the greasy carnival-type makeup washed off. The red-headed branch of the death-defying darlings was, you guessed it, that miraculous escape artist, the one and only Sylvia. 
I was anxious to meet the rest of the act, so I vaulted over the canvas to their trailer dressing room. A sinister buzzing sound at my ankles as I entered. I jumped out of the way just in time to miss getting bitten by one of the brunette's dancing partners, the Diamondback. Sylvia looked at me pityingly, grabbed it expertly just behind the head, and shoved it down into its basket. Sam! You should have known better than to come in here unannounced. Strangers make Salome terribly nervous. Then we're even. How did you know I was here? I didn't. I was looking for my client. Then you are working for Ned. Who else? Well, when I heard you bargaining with Jeff, I didn't know what to think. Before that, I'd been so sure. Look, sweetheart, I haven't been sure of anything in this caper from the start, least of all you. No matter how sure I get, I still won't believe it. Look at me, Sam. Touch me. I'm only flesh and blood. Yeah, well, anyhow, uh, how did you uh, meet yourself coming on with the snakes when you went out in the coveralls? Oh, zippers. I was wearing the snakes underneath all the time. Snakes were... Doesn't the autocrats make them nervous? Oh, no. They're used to it. Mother trained them. That was after father... Never mind your family. Let's talk about you. All three of you. Well, after mother and father... Well, the act was a threesome, you see, and they wouldn't keep me on as a single. Yeah. So Jeff Calhoun worked out a routine so only one of me would be on at one time. That figures. How often do you uh, come out of it alive? You mustn't say things like that, even in joking. I'm terribly out of condition. I haven't had a real workout since... Since you went over Niagara Falls on that beer keg? And by the way, how did you manage that? It's simple. Relaxation. Secret of everything. I could teach you that, Sam, darling. Mm. Jeff could never learn it. How long do you think we'd get away with it, sweetheart? Aren't you taking rather a lot for granted? Maybe not enough. So far as I know, you've only been killed and resurrected three times. Darling, if it frightens you, I promise I'll never do it again. How did you drop 10,000 feet without a parachute? Oh, that Mount Hood stunt? Mm. I crash-landed the plane, set fire to it. There were witnesses. Something dropped. Oh, nothing but a weighted flight suit. Whose body was that they found? There are always bodies when the snow melts. By the time they get to them, they could be anybody. Oh, that's a relief. Uh, what about that other body? Which other one, darling? When you were embalmed after the snake bite. Oh, oh. Well, Jeff just claimed somebody from the morgue that nobody else wanted. Don't be so critical, darling. We didn't hurt anybody. Better not try to tell that to those insurance companies. Well, they should be happy. Jeff says it helps them with their taxes. Does it make you happy? Dying and being dug up every year or so? Well, it's better than doing it every night. But I couldn't go back to Jeff. He lost his nerve after Ned found out. You see, Ned's the only one left who knew me in the old days. If I were dead, he couldn't prove anything. Jeff really meant to kill me this time. What was Ned after? Blackmail? Oh, no. He wanted me back with the show. He hired you to frighten Jeff into letting me go. After all, I am the best threesome in the business. Well, uh, uh, anyway, in the stunt field. Did you see my review on Billboard? I saw for myself. You know something. I was thinking. With all you know about crime... Don't say it. Darling, it's so easy, and we could have a honeymoon every time I, I came back and we got married again. Thanks for the offer, but if I get married, I want my wife to stay alive every night. But I wouldn't really be dead. Only legally, for the insurance. Only legally, Sam. Give me. Sam, darling. Look, uh, <laughs> sweetheart, let's not relax. You're not safe. Not as long as that insurance policy's floating around with Jeff's name on it as beneficiary. He'd never think of looking for me here. Well, the same. You better take that policy into town in the morning and make some changes. Where is it? Oh, it's in my safe. You got a safe here in this trailer? Well, it's just a secret safe. I only call it a safe. But it is safe. I here. I thought I'd find you here. But I hardly expected to see Mr. Spade. You don't surprise me a bit, Bluebeard. Hello, Jeff. Sit down and stop waving that revolver. What do you want? That policy. I heard every word you two have been saying. Not that that piece of paper means anything. You won't even be around when the bank's open. But having the original policy in my hand will save a lot of delay, red tape. Of course, Jeff. Where is it? Uh, oh, what's the use? It's in the basket, right by the side of your chair. Wait a minute. Don't move, Spade. If you do, I'll blast you. Listen to me. Don't raise so that lid. this is your safe. Still a child, aren't you, Sylvia? Don't do it, Calhoun. Don't do it. <laughs> And that lieutenant there took the lid right off of the caper. Due to my Boy Scout training, my split-second timing, and the fact that Salome's fang missed an artery by a thirtieth of an inch, I understand uh, Calhoun will live long enough, which, as far as I'm concerned, is any length of time you care to name. About Sylvia, I uh, really don't know how to advise you there, but if you're uh, planning on charging her with attempted homicide, 
you'll find that there are three Darling sisters listed as U.S. citizens and residents of California. It might be hard to figure out which one of her to indict. Period. Uh, end of Nightmare Alley, Bluebeard Division. Any uh, questions, F? Oh, just one, Sam. A grammatical error, but I'll correct it. And just whom do you think you are to be correcting my grammar? Who, Sam? Nominative case. Nominal. Nominative, Sam. The most frequently used cases in English are nominative, accusative, and possessive. Mm. Now, I'm referring to your sentence which reads, it might be hard to figure out which one of her to indict. Yeah. Of course, you meant them, since they're three darling sisters. Her uh, being singular. Indeed, her was singular, Effie. Oh, Sam, you made a joke. That's a very small one. Now, uh, type that up and leave my grammar as is. It's colorful. Oh, very well, Sam. I'll just fix the syntax as I go along. Syntax? In California? Say, are you looking for a hair tonic that will groom your hair neatly and naturally? Then you're looking for Wild Root Cream Oil. Want a hair tonic that relieves annoying dryness? Get Wild Root Cream Oil. Like a hair tonic that removes loose, ugly dandruff? The answer again is Wild Root Cream Oil, the famous hair tonic that gives you the big advantages men consider most important. Step up to your drug or toilet goods counter first chance you get and ask for Wild Root Cream Oil in the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. She was only one girl, so I left it to her and made the correction back farther. Back where, Twinkle Toes? Hmm? Hmm. You know, where you said three darling sisters, I changed it to one. That's impossible. It takes two to make a sister. That is not funny, Sam. Who's laughing? It's no laughing matter, Sam. After all, that Sylvia, the darling sister, whatever she... And I don't care if she can go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. Let's get it right, a beer keg. In fact, the only funny thing is you being taken in. Through all the snake charmers of that type are a dime a dozen. Well, here's 20 cents. Phone up that place. What place? Where you get the red-headed snake charmers, 12 for 10 cents. Dime a dozen, Sam. It's a statement of speech. Mm, you can say that again, sir. Penny to be three people, all with different hair, wearing snakes under a coverall. Oh, that's right. No normal girl would do that, Sam. Hmm, I don't know. Women do all kinds of work. Uh, oh, Sam. Why can't I be an adventurous like some girls are? I wouldn't trade you for 30 cents worth of snakes, Johnny. Oh, that's the nicest thing you ever said. Well, next to the nicest. Good night. Good night, Salome. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tolman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's going to do it for Case Closed this week. You can find more from Philip Marlowe, Sam Spade, Case Closed, and all of the other Relic Radio podcasts at relicradio.com. You'll also find our Shoutcast stream there with even more old-time radio. Lots to listen to. 
all made possible by your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back next Wednesday with Gangbusters and Dragnet on our next episode of Case Closed.